wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend. Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? He's our keeper. Counselor, comforter, keeper. The spirit we long to embrace. And you offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost the way. Oh, we've hopelessly lost the play football. I just bobbled that one, didn't I? Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Dan. How are you guys doing? 
Good to see you here. We've been enjoying some nice weather, haven't we? Yeah, and you know my grass is green. Usually it's crunchy and brown. It's all green. It's all good. Got to mow it. Thank you, Lord. You've had some great weather. All right, so this is our third installment in our series on the sower, seed, and soil. We'll be talking about different parts. So um, I want you to know that one of the reasons we're doing this in August is so we can get you who are not currently in real-life discipleship groups to consider signing up for a real-life discipleship group this fall. We're getting ready to kick off some groups, and the other groups have maybe taken a sabbatical for the summer, getting ready to start over again. So we really want to see you be part of a real-life small group. So if you're interested in that and God's saying, yes, I want to be part of community, I want to be in a place where I can grow and be among like-minded folks and become a disciple-maker, we want you to sign up under the stairs. Beth is out there with her little blue computer, and she'll be happy to take your information and get you connected. So that's why we're doing this, and so we ask you to do that if you're interested right after the service. Let me say a little bit about the purpose of our real-life small groups. It's not that we want a lot of small groups. It's not the purpose. I do want a lot of small groups. But the purpose of the small group is a means to the end to make someone into a disciple-maker. These groups are, are great vehicles. See, we can get on the bus. We want you to get on the bus of a small group. Our destination is to become a spiritual parent who makes more disciples. So that's what we are using this for. So it's not just we want a lot of groups. We want you to get on the bus so he can transform us into disciple makers. We also need an intentional leader. That's your driver. Does your small group leader look like this guy? I think I've seen him somewhere before. But he's the intentional leader. He knows where to go. He knows the destination. And he or she will take you to that destination. We also need a reproducible process. In other words, we need a roadmap that gets us back to the same place again and again so we can repeat the process and make more and more disciples. So we want to invite you to get on the bus with us. We'd love to have you. We have that relational environment in the bus where we all love each other and are learning to be loved and known in a safe environment where we can be authentic. So I invite you to join a small group. It's one of the best things that you can do here. We, our church is at a size where I don't know anybody. Does everybody know everybody? I don't know everybody. I was telling the staff the other day that I, every Sunday I see ghosts of Rachel and myself on our younger children coming through the door every Sunday. And that just makes my heart glad because I see us coming here like we did 15, 20 years ago. My kids are grown except for Miss Abigail and they're out and gone. But this is when we came to Grace Community Church and I see them coming. So we want you guys to be part of the small group and get on board with us. So let's do some review. Three weeks ago, what part did we talk about? Anybody? Nobody knows? Pastor R, you're going to have to come do it again. We talked about God's part. Now, God's part's the easy part because God always does his part. Amen? All the time. 24, 7, 365, every day, all day, God does his part. He meets us. He empowers us. He guides us through his spirit. He is always there and available for it. So we don't have to worry about God's part. He will always do his part. Last week, Pastor Eric talked about whose part? He talked about my part. My personal responsibility to put myself in a place where I can grow spiritually, including a real-life discipleship small group. 
So the process of spiritual growth doesn't mean just because I come to church every Sunday or because I've been a follower of Christ for 20 years, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm growing in Christ, now does it? So the process of growth means that I have to take responsibility to, uh, to get myself in those places where I'm reading the Scripture, where I'm meditating on Scripture, I have an active prayer life, and I am pursuing God relentlessly. That's what it means. That's my part. Now this week we're going to talk about your part. So I'm in a small group, and I'm willing to take responsibility for my part. I'm going to do all I can to grow spiritually. I'm going to pursue those spiritual disciplines. But I need the rest of you to help me. You are part of this because God has put us in community. So let me make this statement, if I may. We need each other. Is that true? It is God's design that we walk this journey together. He wants us to help each other in this process. He wants us to work together. We need encouragement. We need love. We need reality checks. Anybody besides me need a reality check? There's nothing worse than bouncing a reality check. And I am grateful to have my reality bankers in my life. So when I write a check, I say, look at that. and go, is this for real? Because many times there's a problem. Either someone else is crazy or I'm crazy. And I need someone to tell me which is which. Is that true? Most of the time it ends up I'm the crazy one, but... It's good to know. We need reality checks from other people because we all have blind spots, don't we? I don't see things clearly. I need help. I need reality checks. We need that from each other. We need prayer and support, don't we? Man, we can pray for each other. I can't fix your situation. Only God can, but I can pray for you. I can intervene with God and say, help this person get through this crisis. So we can do all these things for each other. There is no place in in the discipleship journey for a lone wolf. We can't become disconnected and grow. We need each other. So let's look at what the Scripture says about the relationship of community and spiritual growth. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and we don't, right? Everybody got a member? Clap your arms. These are members. These are members, right? What else is members? You got a member? Got these? These are members of my body. I got other ones, too. I got eyes and I got ears. So we all have these members And these members do not all have the same function. Is that true? My eyes are not in my feet. They're up here. The whole body must work together. In Christ are the we, though many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We need each other. We need each other to function as the body of Christ, just like I need my body to do what it's supposed to. I can't have a rogue arm doing whatever it wants to do, can I? I can't have this arm doing whatever, or this foot doing whatever, I can't do that. I won't function as a body so I can be cohesive and do the Lord's will. So we need to work together. We need each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. We need each other to pick us up when we fall down. I was just thinking about that terrible, tragic situation many years ago when the gentleman was hiking in, I think it was Utah, and he got his arm caught in a rock. Anybody remember this? He was alone. And you know what? There's no cell towers in the, in the outback of, of Utah. Your cell phone is going to help you. And I think we all know what happened, what he had to do to save his own life. But I was just thinking, man, he needed someone with him. He shouldn't have been out there by himself. That's not good. He was alone and really paid a horrible price for not having someone there 
to help him and go get help for him. So we need each other. We don't need to be alone. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now what happens when two metals grind together? Anybody? Anybody sharpen a knife? Get it on your wheel and sharpen it. What happens? Sparks. Sparks fly. Does that happen sometimes when we have conflicts? But the verse is saying that iron, iron sharpens iron. Metal sharpens metal. That's true. But there's some friction sometimes, isn't there? And our job is to be okay with some conflict that come from some normal frictions of being different people. And we can sharpen each other that way. That doesn't mean I need to be a jerk about it. That doesn't mean that I need to be right and you're wrong any questions. I need to have an open heart so we're, wearing, we're sharpening each other. I can learn. Anybody know it all? Anybody here? We don't know it all. There's so much we can learn from each other, and we can get in some good debates, whether it's about theology or whatever, and we can sharpen each other because God uses others in our life to grow us up. Is that true? So I'm in a small group, and I have the primary responsibility, like Eric talked about last week, for my own personal growth, but you can't grow me, but you can help me grow. You can be part of that. That's your part to help others around you grow. And we're going to talk about ways you can do that. But first, let's talk about what we can't do. I really want to be crystal clear on this, guys. We can't change anybody. Is that true? We can't change anybody. God is the only one that transforms our heart. He's the only one that has the power to change us. So we must abandon every thought that we have some kind of power to change people because we don't. And he's not given me the mission to change people, has he? He doesn't need me to change people. That's good, right? You know what? I've been helping people for almost 30 years now, and I've never changed anybody. I've never changed a soul. I can't change you. Only God can change you. That's his domain. Because let me tell you when people change, and hold on to this. If you forget everything else I say today, I want you to remember this. People change at the intersection of God's power and their surrender. That's when change occurs, right there. God's power, always on. My surrender. When I'm surrendered, I'm done. When I have done the last thing I know to do, and I surrender fully to him, that's when change occurs, and not before that. So I know Ghostbuster says we're not supposed to cross the streams, but here's one of those times you need to cross the stream. Cross the stream of God's power, and he will change you from the inside out. All right, let's talk about number one here, your part. One thing you can do is be in discipleship relationships with others. We talked about small groups. Put yourself in a community of, of people who are like-minded, <clears throat> a safe environment where you can learn to grow and to be known and change. But it could also be one-on-one -on -one relationships. Small groups is not the only way to grow. I just think it's one of the better ones. We can be in one-on-one -on -one relationships. We can be two-on-one. We can greet us three, triads, dyads. The point being, if you want to grow and you want to help others around you grow, get in a relationship with them with some boldness, too. It takes a lot. Like, I'm in a small group, and this person in a small group, I really relate to, you know. I think Brian's just the greatest, and I really, we really just have a I need to call Brian up and say, hey, Brian, how would you like to be in a discipleship relationship with me? How would you like to meet with me? Because discipleship relationships have a number of qualities, and here they are. They must be intentional. If I'm not intentional about it, it just doesn't happen. True? It has to be consistent. 
It can't just be hit and miss. It's got to be a consistent time. Also needs to be mutual. It needs to be back and forth, doesn't it? Discipleship relationships are not where there's a teacher or a lecturer and there's a pupil. It's much more of a peer lead. Even if I've been in the faith longer than somebody, it's still a mutual relationship where there's mutual accountability. My partners in my, in my discipleship relationships have my total permission to ask me hard questions. Ask me if I memorized that verse I said I was going to memorize. That's what it's about. And it's also focused primarily on each other's growth. Yeah, we can talk stuff, we can talk cars, we can even talk politics just a little bit, but it's focused on each other's growth spiritually. So here's the question from a discipleship relationship that's critical. It says, what is Jesus doing in your life this week? Isn't that a fair question? Someone should be able to ask you, someone should be able to ask me that every week. What is Jesus doing in your life this week? In your family, in your co-workers, in your marriage, in your relationship with him, with your friends, what is Jesus doing to change you this week? I have a friend who asks me that a lot. Ask other people, what is Jesus doing? That is the discipleship question. So if you want to do your part in helping others grow, get into a discipleship relationship with them. Number two, encourage each other. Anybody need encouragement? I don't know about you, but I thrive on encouragement. Man, I just, I just, it's like water on a parched soil. Because, you know, we can get pretty dry sometimes. We can get really dry. So here, what, listen to these verses here about encouragement. It says here in 1 Thessalonians, looks like a 5. 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how you may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Romans 15, 2 says, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Let me ask you guys, do you build people up that you're in a relationship with? Or are you a bummer? You know, some people brighten up the room when they come in. Some people brighten it up when they leave. Which one are you? We need to be encouragers. That's something I can do. So what is encouragers like? Well, let me tell you what happened last Thursday at Celebrate Recovery. If you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, it's a 12-step Christ-centered recovery program we have here on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock where anybody who has a hurt habit or hang-up can show up and they're in the right place. And I love these people that have come to Celebrate Recovery because they are the most authentic people on the planet. So we were done with our program on Thursday, and one of my leaders came up to me and said, Pastor Dan, I really appreciate your ministry. Whoa, thank you. Man, I think God knew I needed a little encouragement because it came out of nowhere, and it was so sincere. I knew that he was saying this to me because... He wanted me to be encouraged with the work of Celebrate Recovery. Because ministry isn't always easy, is it, guys? It's hard stuff, and we need that encouragement. So I was really benefited from what my leader said to me. Think of a time when someone has said to you an encouraging word that just allowed you to feel hopeful and move on and not quit. Has that ever happened to you? And it's always right on time. Always right when you needed it. God is always right on time. Is that true? And we can be the vehicles of that encouragement. So are you an encouraging person? Do you think to say encouraging things to the people around you? Because hear me when I say we all need encouragement. We need someone to say, hey, things like, I'm praying for you. Isn't that great to know someone's praying for you? 
I got a family friend that texts us on a regular, best, regular basis, Rachel and I, and says, how can I pray for the happies? That is so cool. He wants to pray for us. He's thinking about us, asking what our needs are. We can all do that, can't we? Text somebody and say, how can I pray for you? Tell them how you see God working in their lives. Isn't that cool to be able to point out in someone's life say, you know what I mean? I see God really changing you in that part of your life. It's so cool to watch God work in you. That's encouraging. Sometimes we need to tell people that God loves them. Now, I got chapter and verse on God's love, but we don't always feel love, do we? Sometimes we have a hard time loving ourselves and hard to imagine that God loves us, but sometimes the most encouraging thing you can do is say, you know, God loves you. He's a good God, and he's there for you. He's on your side. We can all tell, so tell people we appreciate their ministry, just like my brother at Celebrate Recovery said, Pastor Dan, I appreciate your ministry. I appreciate what you do here. I value that. We need to say these things on a regular basis. It should be normal for us to encourage one another. Sometimes you can tell them what you like about them. Most of us are pretty good at saying about what we don't like, right? How good are you at saying, I really like that about you. I really appreciate how joyful you are when things don't go right. Fruits of the Spirit, right? So are you an encourager or are you a discourager? One way you can help people grow is by being an encourager. Number three, to model godly behavior and attitudes to others. That can be your part because we need examples to follow. The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Notice that he didn't say, just follow me, did he? He said, follow me as I am following Christ. And it's not that we follow people, but God has put others in our lives to be examples to us of what a godly life looks like, about how to respond in times of crisis. And I know about, I don't know about you, but I watch people. Anybody watch people? I watch them. Because you know why? Because I want to see if their talk matches their walk. Do we ever do that? Make sure they're the real thing. We all do that. So people are watching you, and it's not about being perfect. It is not about being perfect. We're human beings, and when something bad happens, I'm going to have all kinds of hurtful feelings or whatever, but at the end of the day, I hope my reaction to whatever is happening in my life is one of a godly response that says I'm dependent on Jesus Christ, and I know he will get me through this because people are watching us, aren't they? Parents, your kids are watching you, right? Is that true? My uh, daughter, Abigail, who's 16, is learning how to drive. Thank you for your prayers. <laughs> so so um, she watches me when I drive. And I, I'll tell you up front, I'm just, sometimes I, you know, I, I break a few rules. Don't look at me like that. Your nose is getting longer. So, so I'm, I'm going down the road, and somebody does a, a less than stellar behavioral driving thing in front of me. And, and of course, I, I say something about it, right? Okay, it usually involves moron, something like that. And, and you'll, you'll like this. And my daughter says to me, and you're a pastor? <laughs> Guilty as charged. I am so busted. She's right. I shouldn't be giving her that kind of an example. I should exercise more what? Self-control. Keep it to yourself. Okay, the person is driving like a moron, but that doesn't mean I need to comment on it in front of my daughter. So I deserve every bit of that. The point is, you're being watched. 
And if people watch your life, will they see Jesus' ways in your life? Will they see the fruits of spirit in my life? <laughs> Not in the car maybe so much, but will they see the fruits of, of spirit in their work in your life? Because they are watching you. Listen to this. Philippians 3.17 says, Join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us for a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. God has put us in community. He wants us to have models and examples. Are you a model and example to someone else about how to live a godly life, how to be a true disciple? And again, guys, I'm not talking about perfection. None of us are perfect. But are you really working on that so you can be an example? You know, nobody likes being told things by someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, do you? My personal favorite is when someone who doesn't have children would tell us how to raise our children. Yeah. And I, I'm polite. I'm polite. You know, I'm really like, okay, thank you for that advice. Inside, my eyes are just rolling straight into my head. Like, you don't know. You don't know. You don't have children. You don't understand what that's like. And when you do, then you'll know what you're talking about. So, so we want to make sure that we are growing so that we have that maturity to share with others. So they're not going around talking about what we don't understand and don't know what we're talking about. So that assumes that you are growing so that you can actually be a model of godly behavior and attitudes to each other. So how can you help others grow? By modeling godly attitudes and behaviors. Number four, to help carry each other's burdens. Galatians 6.2 says, help carry one another's burdens. In this way, you obey the law of Christ. So what is the law of Christ? It's the law of love. We were out from under the Old Testament law when Jesus came and died and for us and all the law was fulfilled and all the law and the prophets fulfilled, but he left us with two commandments, didn't he? What are they? Great commission, yes, and the greatest commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and to love your who? Love your neighbors as yourself. It's the law of love. That's the only one we got left. And here when it says, help carry one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, that means that my job as a follower of Christ is to help carry someone else's burden. Now, let's look at what burden means. In the Greek, a burden means an excessive burden. It's a crushing, overwhelming thing like a boulder that's going to crush you. It's overwhelming. It's too much for any one person to carry. And that's when we are instructed to go put a hand under that boulder and help them because it's too much for them to carry on their own. That's what we're to do. Now, we've got a little dilemma here, though. <clears throat> Boulder or, or a book bag. Because on the other hand, a couple of verses later, Galatians 4, 5 says, For each of you have to carry your own load. So I got burden and I've got load. Well, the Greek word for the load talks about normal, everyday responsibilities, just the stuff you have to do to go to work, pay your bills, take care of business, feed your dog, your family. It's just the normal things that are characteristic of them. We'll call them like a backpack. Okay, this is my backpack. You guys seen backpacks, right? So, so I'm going to put my backpack on, or I'm going to try to. Just see me last service. I'm going to need a chiropractor if I keep this up. So this is my load. This is my normal stuff. I walk around every day like this. this is, I can carry this. This is not crushing me. It's normal. But what happens if I get more than mine? What happens? Oh, here comes Ted. Oh, my gosh, what's he got? Whoa, whoa, no, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. What? Ah! Whoa, what's going on here? What just happened here? 
wait a minute, I got my load. I don't want your loads. How did I get that? How this, what's going on here, fans? These guys are trying to give me their load. Is that legitimate? Thank you, because each one is to carry their own load. And Ted's loading one on me, and Rachel's loading the other one on me. And, you know, this is too much. It's not mine, is it? So you monkeys get back up here and take your own load. This is your load. It says right here, Galatians 6, 5, everyone must carry their own load, Mr. Ted. So put it on, buddy. It's yours. <laughs> he threatened to put rocks in it earlier. Nice guy. Take your load back, Miss Rachel. This is yours to carry. I'm not going to carry it. What just happened here, guys? Somebody, two somebodies, gave me their stuff. Is it mine? No. And if I take it, what happens? Two things happen. I'm overloaded. And secondly, those two will never learn to carry their own backpack. They will depend on me to carry it around for them all the time, and, and they go skipping down the road with nothing on their back. Folks, that's bad. This verse is telling us everybody must carry their own load. Don't take other people's loads on. I can pray for them. I can do all of that, but I can't take their loads. Don't take others' loads. And that's a huge difference. You don't want to get the difference between a boulder that's just crushing and a normal, regular backpack that we all carry. Make sure that you don't take on other people's loads. They need to carry their own. So we all need to carry our own normal load, but the law of love requires that we help anybody who's got a crushing boulder in their lives. So that this body of believers, i got to tell you guys, I'm going to brag on you a little bit. I've been here for, well, I won't tell you how long I've been here. I've been here a long time, and I have seen this church, and I have seen small groups, and I have seen people rally around folks in crisis and just bring all the resources they've got, their prayer and their love, and, and hold these people up so that crushing burden didn't destroy them. I've seen it happen over and over again. I just want to affirm you guys. This church, that's a strength of this church. I've seen it happen over and over again. Can I get an Amen. I just love that about this church. We're not saying, well, too bad for them. We're saying, we're going to come help you. What do you need? I'm going to come put my hand on this part of your load. I'm going to hold it up for you. I want to affirm that. And thank you guys, because that's exactly what we are instructed to do. So how can I help others grow? By helping carry their crushing boulders. Number five, and last, to speak the truth and love to each other. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, speaking the truth and love, we will come to grow in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So there's that balance between truth and love. And when God tells me something, he keeps it in perfect balance, doesn't he? Perfect balance, perfect love, perfect truth. The rest of us, we screw this up sometimes. Is that true? Have you ever had someone in your life that is just so truthful, they just beat you to death with it? And you're not feeling the love, right? And there's others who are so loving, hmm that they forget to tell you the truth. And now we're unbalanced on that side. But if we're to speak the truth and love to everybody and those around us, we've got to keep those in balance, don't we? And I'll tell you what else we need. We need humility, don't we? Before I come to you and say, hey, there's an issue here in your life, I need to do a gut check. I need to make sure that I have a relationship with you that will support that. Anybody ever had somebody you hardly know come up and tell you what you're doing wrong with your life? How do you feel about that? You like that? It works for you? I'm like, thanks for sharing. Because I don't have a relationship with them. They might even be right, 
but I don't have that relationship that lets me take it in. I don't know that they love me. I'm not sure what their motivations are. And by the way, guys, when we are going to speak the truth and love to somebody, we better know what our motivations are. We better know it's clean and clear and it's coming out of a loving heart and a great deal of humility. Remember that verse in Matthew 7, 5? What does it say? It says, don't go around picking specks out of your brother's eye when you've got a telephone pole sticking out of this one. That's good advice, isn't it? First, deal with your telephone pole, and then you might be helpful for taking the speck out of your brother's eye. We need to approach this with great humility, but there are times when we need to be willing to step into someone's life and speak the truth and love to them. Let me ask you this. Do you love each other enough to confront a brother or sister who has gone off the rails? Do you love them enough? I'm going to quote somebody very close to me who I know loves me deeply. And what they say is, I love you too much to not tell you the truth. I love you too much not to tell you this. Folks, that's love, isn't it? How many of you like being confronted when you're screwing up? None of us like being told that, but we need to hear it because that's how we grow. Without truth, I've got nothing. I've got my own ideas, my own delusions. I need truth. And if you speak truth to love and to me, I can take it in. It may sting for a while, but I can take it in. I can say, you know, you're right. My daughter, said, my daughter says, Dad, you're driving too fast. I am. It's true. Driving too fast. Speed limit's this. I'm there. All right, Mach 1. It's too fast. I need to be able to take in the truth. So let me ask you, how good are you at confronting people with the truth? How good are you at loving confrontation of people in your life who need to hear the truth from you? And then secondly, how good are you at receiving loving correction from someone? Ask yourself those questions because we can help each other grow by speaking the truth into the life. All right, in closing, I want to ask you guys these questions. So I just want you to reflect here with me, okay? You've been staring at me here for about 30 minutes. I want you to bow your heads and just close your eyes, and I want you to think about this, because I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to check you out. Check you out. I have a friend who's an airline pilot, and every once in a while they get a check ride. Somebody who's superior to them rides along with them to make sure they're doing everything right. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a check ride on these things we're talking about today. Are you doing your part? Are you ready and willing to get into a discipleship relationship and grow spiritually, an intentional one? that's consistent? Are you ready to commit to a small group and be willing to grow in that community where people are love you and you are loved by them? A safe environment where you can be authentic. Are you willing and ready to do that? How about being encouraged? You are ready and willing to be an encourager and choose to build each other up and not tear each other down? How about being a model of godly attitudes and behaviors? If someone follows you around, are you modeling godly attitudes and behaviors? Are you ready and willing to help others with their crushing burdens and not just take their knapsacks? And finally, are you willing to speak the truth and love to each other so that we may grow up into him, and that is Christ? And those are yes or no questions, guys, because either we do it or we don't. And there's plenty of opportunities to do that, plenty of opportunities to be encouraging to someone, plenty of opportunities to model godly behavior. So I'm just challenging to ask God to show you those times and places so that you can do your part in helping others grow to be more like Christ. Father God, thank you 
that you've given us truth and you balance truth and love and you love us. And I pray, Father, we would be those who speak truth and love. We'd be those who encourage one another, who, who model godly attitudes, who carry each other's burdens, and we get into discipleship relationships so we grow on purpose intentionally with a consistent contact with each other. So, Father, I pray that you'd carry this through this week, keep our hearts in tune to you, and so that we can explore these questions and be honest with ourselves. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor R. Healthy boundaries. God's part, my part, and your part. How many would say that you're kind of carrying a heavy load now? No one admits it. How many would feel that you're carrying someone else's heavy load? You know, one of the things about boundaries is you never want to do for somebody what they can do for themselves, right? So you learn in community that we each carry our load, but sometimes the load is just far too heavy to carry, so I need to help shoulder that person's load and lay that load at the feet of Jesus. Well, this morning is the last morning with Pastor Scott Avey, our worship pastor. We've had five years together. In sweet years. So I'd invite Scott and Jen to come. And gathered around them, invite the worship team and pastors and elders. Also, I'd invite anybody that wants to join. This is going to be a corporate moment. We've had uh, five years together of uh, sacred Fridays, Saturday rehearsals, bullpen meetings, student lessons. You know, Scott has invested in the next generation. A lot of guitar players and drummers. Some of these drummers outside my office. You know how hard it is to study with drummers drumming their drums outside your office? LED Christmas shows. Remember our Christmas shows with the LED lights? Remember that stuff? Uh, <clears throat> in the loop videos, the worship experience, planning center. I could say that... Uh, Clearly, concerning Scott, he has raised the bar. He has been an instrument that God has used to raise the bar of worship. I mean, it's rarely that you'll ever see a worship pastor with a heart for discipleship who has ability to do the technical side as well as the musical side and invest in people. Well, it's safe to say that we're going to miss Scott and Jen. But it would be wrong to say that Scott is leaving it would be correct to say that Scott is being sent. You know, about 32 years ago, we um, were sent by God up here, Debbie and I, to help plant this church. And we've had the pleasure of seeing a Chinese church being launched, and now we get the pleasure of sending Scott and Jen out to plant the church in Brunswick. Scott is moving from Middletown to Point of Rocks, trying to secure a place for the church to gather Grace Fellowship, when they top out at 60, they're going to be meeting in a more public place, engaging people at places like Beans in the Belfry, a guy named Jimmy with a tattoo, trying to show him the love of God, producing the What's Up Wednesday. So if you want to follow Scott and what happens in Brunswick, you can tune into What's Up Wednesdays and see the latest. A win for Grace Fellowship will definitely be a win for Grace Community. I just want to say that um, we love them, and we're going to miss them sorely, but we're going to be okay. God's raised up Sharon to take the place of worship director, and we'd like to do some prayers now. So anybody else wants to join us can come.
It's going to be a corporate moment. I'm going to give the microphone to Amir. He's going to pray, and then to um, Sharon. Email. Father God, it is such an honor this morning to pray for my brother, Scott, for my friend, for my teacher, for my mentor, our pastor. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you for him. Thank you for his heart. Thank you for his courage. Thank you for calling him out. Thank you for the faith you gave him to answer that call, to step out. Thank you for his courage and strength. Thank you for uh, his family and their support. Thank you so much that you're with them. God, we ask you to help him. Not the kind of help a person gives a person, but supernatural help. The kind of help that God, who spoke this world into existence, gives a man who he has called. God, we ask you to help him. We ask you to assign your angels to surround him, to, to be with him. We ask your angels to uh, keep him safe and his family safe, that you would bless him, that your angels would go ahead of him and open doors, your angels would protect him and his family. We ask that his word penetrates the hearts of the seeker, that he is able to find the lost and to reach them, to convert them into followers of Jesus, that this church is blessed so abundantly that the world hears about it. Heavenly Father, God, we finally ask that any time he faces an obstacle or a challenge, that he is uh, faced with something that may be bigger than him, that you would remind him of this moment, that you remind him that a church stood. Would you stand with me, everyone, that a church stood, we all stood for him, remind him that we are with him, we support him, that we pray for him regularly, that we know you are with him. We stood and asked you, Almighty God, to make this church an amazing success. We trust you, we praise you, we pray this in the beautiful, powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen? God, I thank you for the privilege that I've had this last few years uh, to work alongside Scott. I thank you for his leadership, his loyalty, his dedication to this church. God, I pray as, as he and Jen move forward in this new adventure with Brunswick, that God, you would surround them with a hedge of protection. Um, not only Scott and Jen, but Cadence and, and Cannon and Coda. God, be with them, um, bind their family together. And God, I pray for the Brunswick team that is going. I pray for unity with them and within. And I pray for unity between Grace Community and Grace Fellowship, God, that we would be one together, um, winning souls for you in this community. Um, God, and as a, a team leader now, I, I pray um, that he would feel loved here, um, that he would feel cherished and, and honored today as well, God, and um, that we consider it a privilege to send him forth. Um, give him strength in this task that you've laid before him, and may he be faithful. We ask this in your name. Father, I thank you for my brother, Scott, my fellow pastor. God, I thank you for the calling upon his life, his consecration to you, Lord, for his desire to see your kingdom expand, to see souls brought in who are far from you, who would hear the name of Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated, that there'd be concrete actions of love toward people that they would sense Scott and Jen's love, 
and be drawn to Jesus. Would you cause this church to grow, Lord? Would you enable them to plant the seeds into water? But God, would you bring much growth? We pray for exponential growth, that hundreds and hundreds of lives will be changed by the power of the gospel. Give them the strength, Lord, to endure, to persevere under challenge. As their faith is tested, I pray, that, Lord, you reward them for the work they are about to do. God, sustain them by your grace. Encourage them day after day. Enable them, Lord, to do more than they personally can do, God. I pray that through your spirit, you'll do a great and mighty work. So, Father, all of us together with one voice lift up our hearts to you, God, to proclaim that you are a great and mighty God, that we send Scott and Jen with your blessing. And remember the words of the psalmist who said these words. But you, O Lord, are exalted forever. And, O God, would you show your compassion to us. Would you, God, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. May you make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us, for as many years as we've seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to your children, and may the favor of the Lord, our God, rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us, yes. Establish the work of our hands. And God's people said, amen. God bless you all.